Oh, well, hello, everybody. It's Colin Ellis here, and welcome to another Culture and Coffee podcast for Monday, the 23rd of May, 2022. Almost halfway through the year already. Where is the year going? Where is the year going? It's a nice, soft, gentle entrance into today's episode. I feel, I feel like that's what it requires. Uh, it's a pretty chill uh, weekend. Hope you're good, wherever you are in the world. Hope you're excited about the work week, week ahead of work. I, uh, I, I, I must admit, I always, I was never one of those kind of dread Monday kind of people. I think as I always, I always found some way to enjoy my work, unless Everton got beat. Um, in which case, I did. I just didn't want it, particularly when I used to live in Liverpool. Like I never wanted to see Liverpool fans. So quick sports reference here. There's two teams in Liverpool. There's the team that I support and then there's the good team. Um, it pains me to say that. Um, my team obviously have got history and heritage and class and the other team don't. Um, but but that's, that's another story. Uh, oh yeah, and I just want to say a huge thank you. Like way more people than I thought actually emailed me or messaged me and said how chuffed they were that my team didn't get relegated. Uh, so Everton didn't get relegated uh, last week. We managed to survive the dreaded relegation. We haven't been relegated for a long, long time. Um, yeah, so like for some teams, the season is about winning things. For, for, for Everton, it's about not losing our status in the top vision, which is like a really rubbish version of winning. Um, but I have to say, you know, and I got up super early to watch the game as I have been this last month. It's just been crazy. I've been getting up at like, I don't know, 4am and 3am to watch the games live as you do when you're in it. Cause it's my, this is my hobby. Like some hobbies that people have are really relaxing. I know some of you listen to this podcast and I'll have some really like super, oh, I love to grab a book and read in the sun. Actually, I like that too. I haven't done much of it recently. You know, oh, I love to, I love to knit. I love to crochet. Whatever it is, like it's always, you know, these hobbies are super relaxed. Yeah, not me. N- not relaxed. My hobby is just, I, for the last, I don't know, I want to say eight weeks, it's been the most stressful thing. And then you get some really unhelpful tips when you've got a really stressful hobby. People are like, well... Why don't you just stop watching it? Yeah, because that's how this works. Is I can just switch it off and go, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, people always say, what do you miss most about England? It's a family. Yeah, it's like, nope. I miss going to the football. Anyway, I'm not going to talk anymore about sport. But thank you to everybody uh, who who wrote me. Um, Yes, I was delighted. And yes, one person asked, did I cry? I did. I shed a little tear. What, What else is a... 52-year-old fella supposed to do and he sat on his own celebrating at, I don't know, 5 a.m. in the morning. Of course, of course I did. Um, today's coffee, <laughs> moving on very quickly. So, so this, uh, uh, this week's coffee is, uh, is from El Salvador. It's called a, well, I think it's called a Milady, M-I-L-A-Y-D-I. And so I immediately want to pronounce it Milady, you know, like I'm some kind of, you know, figure from a, Charlotte Bronte book or a Jane Austen book. Milady, yes, Milady. Actually, Milady, that sounds like, yeah, what was that dude's name in Thunderbirds? Parker. That's the best theme music ever, actually. Thunderbird. Like, if you haven't, if you haven't never heard the theme music from Thunderbirds, like, the second this podcast ends, and not before, by the way, just go and get on YouTube and put theme music from Thunderbirds. 
best theme music ever. Like I can like best ever. Um, so yes, this week, this week's coffee is a milady from El Salvador from uh, roasted by owner coffee in Canberra. I was in Canberra last week to run a culture workshop. Talking a little bit about that uh, in a minute. It's a great little bag. It's got uh, what I love is when you buy um, coffee is when they have all of the details on the bag, and yeah, you know, like you would think that every you know. A bag of coffee you buy it does, but it doesn't. Sometimes I have to go fishing, and then sometimes I have to go searching on the website uh, for the details of the coffee, but not for this one. Uh, so it's got it's got it all on. I just thought I'd pick out one one oh two, three things three things you might not know about El Salvador just before I get stuck into the coffee. Right. So one, it's known as the land of volcanoes because there are so many of them, and obviously that's why coffee is such a big thing because it grows at altitude right so the second thing is it's the fourth largest coffee producer in the world el salvador so it's tiny little central american um country but because of its because of the altitude because of the soil right it's got like like i don't know it's like a hundred volcanoes or something in el salvador Uh, and the third thing which you may or may not may not know it's got great surfing now if surfing's your thing get on to el salvador Today's, co- today's Culture and Coffee podcast has been brought to you by the El Salvador Tourist Board. Do you still have tourist boards? It was a thing when I was growing up in England, tourist board. Like, and they used all of the Jedi mind tricks to make you visit, like, just the worst, most crumbling seaside resorts in England. Come to the come to Southport. It was good 50 years ago. Um... So, yeah, so three things. There you go. Land of Volcanoes, uh, fourth largest coffee producer in the world, and it's got great surf, if that's your... Someone said to me, I was in, uh, I was in uh, America a few weeks back, and someone said, it's like, oh, you, you live in Australia? Yeah, it's like, oh, I've heard the surf is great. I was like, yeah, I've heard that too. He's like, oh, do you not surf? I was like, funnily enough, growing up in Liverpool, surfing really wasn't the thing that we did. Like when someone said, oh, do you ski or snowboard? I'm like, yeah, I've watched both of them on the TV. Anyway, um, anyway, back to what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, the coffee, the information. Um, you can tell I've had a sip of my coffee, can't you? Just so much energy, it's ridiculous. Um, the coffee bag. So one of the things that I picked out is the varietal, right? So varietal, variety, same word, I guess. Listen, the, the, the varietal, when you see the word varietal, it's just like a fancy woke way of saying type, right? You know, that's your that's your translation for the day. If you see varietal, just means type. You know, just like there are different types of apples. You know, like uh, golden delicious and royal gala and Granny Smith, the worst apple. Granny Smith. Don't even get me started. Like, I can get passionate about some things. So, oh, golden delicious is just water. Yeah, but it's sweet and it's delicious. Granny Smith. It's like, you know, when you take a bite into a Granny Smith, your face just contorts immediately. Anyway, like, it's all right. It's all right in apple pies. Maybe I should start an an apple and culture podcast. So a a varietal is just a variety, right? And so the the varietal of this particular coffee bean... um, is a Pacamara, Pacamara. And there is a great website because I, you know, I was like, oh, Pacamara, what's that? And so there's a great uh, website. It's called, it's varieties.worldcoffeeresearch.org, varieties.worldcoffeeresearch.org. And it breaks down every single 
variety of coffee. So I just went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much information. So it's, it, it produces very large beans, the Pacamara, they didn't know that. Uh, it's, it's exceptional potential quality at high altitude, uh, but it's susceptible to coffee leaf rust, which is a disease that only coffee plants have. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, uh, its origins were in 1976. Uh, but there's loads of information. I could read all of this, but uh, it's boring. Um, no, it's not boring. It's just long. Uh, and it's a, an, an Arabica bean. And I thought, like, I'm giving you all the coffee information here today. The uh, Arabica beans, right? So you pro- I'm not sure if you know this, but, but there are two types of beans, right? You've got Arabica and you've got Robusta. Like Arabica is the easily the most prevalent bean. Most of the coffee that you drink... Uh, is Arabica. It originates from Ethiopia. Uh, It's like 60-70% I think of the world's coffee production is Arabica. And the name was thought to originate when coffee travelled from Ethiopia to Arabia, which is about the 7th century. Um, So it's Arabica is coffee that comes from the beans of the coffee Arabica plant, which originates in Ethiopia. Best coffee, Ethiopia. Anyway, Enough on the coffee, enough. That's Everton coffee and a bit of apples covered uh, in the first nine minutes. Uh, let's talk about what you're actually listening to, uh, which is three signs of a toxic culture. Um, oh, no, I, let me just have a drink of this coffee, actually. Yes. Um, oh, wow. That's really nice. That's really nice. So it says on the bag here, what's it say here? It says it has notes of white grape white nectarine, caramelized peach and florals. I mean, there's a hell of a lot going on there, to be honest. Let, let me see what I'm getting. It's got a real, it's like a, it's got a real sugary sweetness taste. I don't have sugar in my coffee, but that, it, yeah, it tastes really sweet. So I get the caramelized peach, I totally get the rest of it. Yeah, nice. Um, Three signs of a toxic culture. Have you ever worked in the toxic Put hands up if you've worked in a toxic culture. Yeah, me too. Not great, is it? It's not great. You know when you're working in a toxic culture. You just know. There's a feeling that comes with a toxic culture. And it's not a great feeling. Like you question yourself. You question your decision making. Uh, on your on your growth mindset days, you believe that you can make a real difference to the culture. And you should, I mean, you know, when you're in that situation, that's the way to approach it. And yet, and yet often, um, it's very hard to influence it, particularly if it's driven from the top. Now, now for those of you who've read the books and read the blogs and listened to me on here before, you know that I say that culture is everybody's responsibility. It's, it's everybody's job to contribute to culture. Of course it is. Where you see things that aren't right, it's everybody's job to do something about it. You know, I've been doing like, you know, I'm doing a culture workshop every week at the minute. And I'm getting people to talk about all of the great stuff. Um, that they do all the great stuff that they saw during COVID and also to talk about the opportunities they have for improvement. And and almost every team has seen an element of toxicity uh, during the last two, three years. There's a report not long ago, and I, I must dig it out actually and read it properly, about the fact that, you know, kind of empathy is on the wane. 
which is really worrying. But that's definitely what we saw in the pandemic. You know, we, we, we saw lots of compassion, empathy at the start, and it's kind of been on the wane since then. Um, and and for me, that's the first sign of a toxic culture is that there's just no empathy between staff members. Nobody wants to build any relationships. No time and effort is put into it. It's not... Uh, it's not given any kind of priority, you know, and that, you know, uh, that, that's why I would say that every, every organization that I work with, I don't think any of them have a toxic culture coming into the actual workshop because they're actually making the time, you know, and, and, and often, you know, working with the team next week is 150 people. They're taking off site for two days. Now, toxic culture would say, oh, we haven't got time. It's not important right now. And actually, there were, there, were, there were two clients not so long ago who made culture their third priority. And, and, and so we ended our conversation at that point. And, but both different clients, one of them had a poor engagement score as well. Uh, but they just didn't want to give it any priority. And I think, you know, when, the, when there is that, uh, I guess, apathy towards wanting to build relationships, wanting to give, wanting to give people a say... Then what that does is it is it gives rise to the worst of us, and no one wants to be the worst employee. No one's you know hanging out for you know today. No one's getting up on a Monday and going right here we go today. I'm going to be the worst of me. Here it comes, baby. Get ready. I'm rolling up. No one wants to do that. A toxic culture gives rise to that. Uh, oh, and a bad attitude. Yeah. There's a few of those about, but but more often than not, it's people feel that way because they feel that they have no choice. Um, so in in those kind of situations where you where you aren't able to build empathy, or when there are people telling you that you know ordering you about right, or telling you what to do, you got to do this, got to do that. And, and they're not interested in you. They're not interested in thinking about the way that you consume information. They communicate in their default preferences, all of those kinds of things. Then what happens is we bring the worst of us to work. We, we start gossiping, which is just an appalling thing you can do to another human. Uh, there's a lot of backbiting. There's a lot of blame. There's lots of suspicion. Trust has to be earned, not assumed. Like all of those things. So that's the first sign when there's no desire to understand each other. Now, now often, I don't want to be too hard on managers here because sometimes um, managers, you know, kind of do their best to generate empathy between people. But then employees just don't want to do it. They really don't. You, you know, you, you, you kind of have people who dominate conversations and you you have you have people who just don't want to turn up to any kind of any kind of social thing or why should i turn up i don't want to do this it's not for me and you know that's not what vibrant cultures do you know vibrant cultures you know individuals step outside their comfort zone and do things that ordinarily they wouldn't do but they recognize that it's good for the team so that's the first thing there's 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 no empathy between staff members. The second thing is, and I've talked about this on a on a previous podcast, I think a couple of months ago, I talked about, uh, it might have been at the start of, the start of this year, I talked about kind of brilliant jerks. I know that feels like it was last year, brilliant jerks. So sec- the, the second sign of a toxic culture is brilliant jerks aren't dealt with. 
So those people who are technically good or technically okay, I would say, but emotionally appalling. Now you can see that the first two things, you know, the first two signs is, is, is really about emotional intelligence, right? The second thing about not dealing with brilliant jerks is, is that there's a real lack of discipline and courage often on the behalf, on, on the part of managers to deal with this stuff. And it's even worse when those brilliant jerks are leaders. Do you know what I mean? Like when there's like one rule for a leader and one rule for everybody else, when a leader chooses to display those, how can I put this, less than humanistic qualities, or else it's just a bit rubbish at their job. You know, they haven't stayed relevant. I talked about that recently. They, they haven't taken the time to stay in touch. They don't know how to use technology. Like none of these things, like, you know, you should know how to use the technology. You should be up with world, world events if you're a leader. You should have your finger on the pulse of the world almost. You should understand kind of what are those, what are those key topics in, in, in around the globe right now? Because because you have to have an opinion on, not that you have to share them with everybody, you, start, you at least have to have an opinion. But ultimately, if, you, if you're not a good human being, then you're just, it, it's just going to generate the worst of people. It really is. So you can see, like toxic cultures is low EQ. What, it, what toxic cultures do is they generate low emotional intelligence. You know, and often we, we still care about the work. That's the thing with toxic cultures is, we, we care about it. We just go about it in the wrong way. Shouting, screaming, bawling, lots of anger, lots of unachievable targets. But I just, I just never cared for it. Uh, that's the understatement of this morning. Never cared for it when managers chose not to deal with brilliant jerks. And, and it's a choice, right? It's a choice not to deal with that stuff is when you've got people who are undermining the psychological safety of the team or of the workplace, then it's, it's a manager's job to deal with that. They're not leaders, they're, they're managers. Manager's job to get on that, deal with that, talk to that individual about their performance, talk to them about their behavior, make sure that you're setting expectations really clearly, all of those things. Um, but we all know when we've worked in kind of toxic cultures, and it's not many people, it's only like two or three people. If there's just two or three brilliant jerks whose behaviours and performance goes unchecked while the rest of us are doing our utmost to really smash it out of the park, um, then it just generates the worst in us. And then the last thing is when people actively get in the way of change. These people are, right, they're cynics, right? Um, people who have given up but won't shut up. Uh, people who will do anything to tell you, that, that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find every way possible to tell you that they're right and you're wrong. They're great at telling you what's not possible. They'll come up with a list of things that are either aren't possible or, you know, reasons why we can't do something. You can't do this now, I can't do that now. And, and when people continually do that, it's, they drain you. They utterly, utterly drain you. And consequently, you become physically and emotionally tired. And all of a sudden, you're the worst version of yourself. And before you know it, as, you know, as soon as 15% of the workforce 
kind of are either disengaged or behaving in a way that, you know, it's is not the best of them, then it just infects everybody else. But I want you to remember that the flip side is also true. You know me, I love to end the podcast with a positive. Um, it only needs 15% of people to change the culture. Only f- so, so if you're working in an environment where there's toxicity, you have to be the lone nut. You have to be the person. You have to be the catalyst for change. Now, you're not going to walk around the office going, all in for changing culture. We used to do that on the playground back in the day. It's literally the only thing I can remember from school. Um, oh, apart from stabbing Joanne Howard in the cheek because I had a pencil in my mouth. That was 10 at the time. There's those two things. Sorry, Joanne, if you're listening. Um, so it's not about that, but it's about finding those people that believe the same things you do, embracing them as equals, and then together working against the toxicity. It's, it's a question I get all of the time. I work in a toxic culture. What can I do? Well, what you can do is wake up every morning with the, with the right attitude, you know, kind of growth mindset. But, you know, I'm an optimistic realist. It's very difficult to do that when the conditions are pretty bad. So what you need to do is find people who are like you. You need to set up some kind of informal chats where you don't become the people that you're trying to change. You talk about the good that you can do to help others see what's possible. Now, ultimately, if people are behaving in a way that threatens you, or the safety of the team, then there are things that need to be reported. Not that I'm actively encouraging you to... Actually, no, I am actively encouraging. If those things are true, if you feel like you're being harassed or bullied, you need to report it immediately, right? And and, and there's a certain amount of courage and vulnerability that comes with that. I totally, you know, I appreciate that. I've done it myself. I did it myself once. Um, uh, But, you know, it's something that you need to do such that other people... Uh, don't feel you know similarly to you um but i you know but i think if you can find some people who are like you uh, you won't like i said you only need 15 percent of the team to start to think differently and to constantly talk about possibility like you know be a realistic optimist talk about what's possible and then talk about the steps that you need to take to get there um, it's very easy for me to say on, on, on podcasts and in blogs, oh, be the best version of yourself. The reality is there are so many factors that, that get in the way of you being the best version of yourself from idiots on the road, from people coughing on the tram, from just some of those micro interactions that you get on a day-to-day basis, right? I saw someone shouting at someone the other day because they jumped the coffee queue. Yeah, fair play. At least, you, at least they had a go, right? Um, you know, there are so many things that get in the way of that. And, and, and you know, just be a realistic optimist. Recognize that things are going to get in the way from time to time. Recognize that at some stage in your career, you're, you're going to experience a toxic culture. Um, just don't become part of the problem. Uh, become part of the solution, find find 15% of the people who are like you and be a collective force for good. All right, that's your culture and coffee podcast for today. Uh, oh, for those of you who listened, hope you enjoyed the Culture Makers podcast. Uh, so as I mentioned, these uh, podcasts are going 
It's going to be fortnightly uh, for the next couple of months while we do the Culture Makers podcast. So if you haven't already subscribed to that, just search for Culture Makers podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you could get a different perspective from somebody else who knows lots more about culture within the context. Anyway, have a great day wherever you are and look forward to speaking soon. Ta-ra for now.